0: Hi everyone! Welcome to episode 6 of our podcast, Staring Into The Light. In this episode, we're taking a break from the usual pattern of answering some of your questions. Why? It's because we have something important to talk about. Imagine a world without Amazon, Flipkart or any online shopping websites. Where would you get your stuff from? Of course, you know there are supermarkets and malls that have all kinds of shops and stores where you can go to buy things. You won't be surprised when we tell you, that there weren't any malls or online shopping when we were growing up. Yes, yes, we know, you're probably rolling your eyes. Ugh, grown-ups, you know, in our time we didn't have this, we didn't have that. Imagine how we lived through so much difficulty. But no, wait, we're not telling you that guilt-tripping story today. We're going back in time even more and remembering our parents telling us how they got their stuff in their time, and they're remembering how their parents told them those stories, etc., etc., We're thinking about how we all get our things and we don't even know where it came from. And why is that a problem? We didn't think it was a problem. Not until this pandemic hit us. Suddenly, essential items were in short supply. Doesn't that make you wonder how we get our things? And what happens if anything like this pandemic happens again? There was a man who deeply thought about this and warned all of India a long time ago. Aaron is going to tell you a little more about him.
1: There was once a man who decided that he was not going to stay quiet about the manner in which people were being mistreated around him, including himself. So he retaliated by using a method that most people were very confused of at the time, and that was by nonviolence. He was so assiduous of his belief that he eventually led to bringing our country the freedom we all enjoy every day of our lives. This immensely self-aware person was Mohandas Karamchand Gandhi. Gandhiji, as you know he was lovingly referred to, achieved several things in his lifetime. But today we wanna talk about a particular philosophy that also resonates with us, and that is self-reliance. Gandhi was vehemently opposed to greed and violence. He considered the dramatic growth of industrialization in the 20th century as a form of violence against both people and the environment. He felt that a simple life with few needs which are provided for locally was the most non-violent way of living. He often talked of his dream world where people lived in a self-sufficient small communities, which rule themselves without hindering others and sustain themselves in harmony with nature. Gandhiji once wrote, and I quote, I am painfully conscious of my imperfections, and therein lies all the strength I possess because it is a rare thing for a man to know his own limitations." In a book called Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, the author Robert Persig makes a detailed account of his experience while riding on a motorcycle throughout the US. He emphasizes on how he loved the process of resetting his bike's engine to the circumstances that he was in by tinkering and adjusting it. He carefully worked with the machine to get it just right, and described the patience he needed and the pleasure that it brought him. Small repairs translated into creative challenges, and that made him become more fond of his motorcycle. In this book he also talks about quality, and the manner in which his other friends looked at technology as something that distances you from a pristine and natural state of life. They also, of course, were immersed in the same technology themselves, but also realize how much they don't like it and also have no idea how to deal with it. Meanwhile, the author shared how he keeps adjusting his bike to be in tune with the road, the weather and his journey and enjoyed the quality of life he received from being in harmony with his motorcycle. Prashant, didn't you once go on a similar bike trip across South India?
2: Yes, I did. This was almost 10 years ago. The bike ride itself was a lot of fun, but there's one particular story that really stands out from the ride for me. And this is somewhere in the south of Chennai. Um, I met a handloom weaver who was working with this beautiful wooden frame in deep silence, almost in a meditative trance. One couldn't tell where the man ended and the machine began. There was a soothing rhythm he kept, which was more accurate than any metronome I've heard. When he was done working with it, I sat down to talk to him about it and he told me the story of how this machine and this art was passed down for generations and he knew every part of it like the back of his hand. Like pissing and his motorcycle, he understood sometimes just by carefully listening to the rhythm of the machine, what needed to be tightened and so on. The art itself was so intricate that when he explained it to me, unlike in a magic trick, I was even more in awe of it. The sad part of it, though, is that this artist received such a small sum for his labor and design, which he sold to larger firms, which make most of the profits, because they own these larger machines capable of producing things at a much faster rate. This greed and chasing after profits, though, isn't a new story. Let's go back to the time of Gandhi, when he was shaken by similar things. Handlooms across the country were being broken by the British Empire. And many craftsmen, very much like the man I just met, were rendered jobless. The greed to ramp up exports and maximize profit reduced our country that was once known for being the hub of textile exports to a desolate landscape of exploitation. They took our raw materials, our cotton and stuff, took powerful automatic looms in places like Manchester and exported vast quantities of cloth and soon became the biggest empire in the world. One could say that this was an industrial revolution and what was uh, happening is what gives us all these comforts and so on and so forth. But we must also pause and think, at what cost is it all happening? Gandhi didn't say no to technology as a whole. Gandhi had very specific ideas about the use of machines. I quote him here. The problem of poverty will never be solved by an indiscriminate importation of machinery and technical skill. What we need to do is to add to our capacity for labor with our hands and feet the necessary technical skill so that we may devise our own machinery suitable to our requirements. He actually was not against the big machines at all. He wished for a miniature mill in every home. He wanted this machinery to be the most elementary type which he could have put in the homes of the millions. It is because of this reason that he described the spinning wheel as the hope of the masses, and so he made Khadar, the homemade cloth industry, the ideal symbol of self-sufficiency. This way, Gandhi believed every village can have a self-sustaining mode of survival and would therefore add up to a much richer nation, reducing dependency on imported goods and developing value and economy for the locally produced goods. To me though, this idea of making your own things that you use every day has an even greater significance. I remember how my grandmother could stitch clothes, curtains, bed sheets and how she made all these tasty chutneys and pickles and puddies that we would eat at home all the time. In fact, I distinctly remember how little they used to buy from outside and how much they actually made at home. Keeping the gender angle aside, it is very sad that such superb skill is rarely present in any of us these days. Just one look around my own house and I realize if I spend just a little time developing these skills that my grandmother had in abundance, I would most certainly have made more than half of what I own now. Come to think about it, when we look at all these things that we own, how often do we ask ourselves, how much of this do I need and how much of it do I want? There seems to be an inexplicable connection between paying attention to what we need and our direct involvement in making it, or at least knowing that it comes from a small circle of familiar people. In other words, if we have spent that time making what we need, or we know of somebody who spent that time making what we need, we develop a more intimate relationship, or even a spiritual one with our products, which provides a sense of fulfillment. And that experience in itself gives us the strength to diminish our unnecessary wants. With this, we come to the end of our sixth episode. Let's just try and look around our houses and let's try to find that one thing that we buy that we can easily make by ourselves. And let's give that a shot. Like always, remember to keep your three H's strong, functioning heads, empathetic hearts, and skillful hands. See you next time.
0: Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please show us some love by hitting the heart button and sharing this podcast with all your friends and family. We would love to hear from you, so add your feedback in the comment section below. And if you have questions that make you wonder, please add them in too. You could also email us at at academy.com.